The reading is from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, which can be found in the service sheet on page 5 or in the church Bibles on 1171. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Now Paul is going to come and uh, speak to us. Can I just pray for you, Paul? Is that okay? Father, we lift Paul to you and ask for your Holy Spirit to inspire him and us that we might hear your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's for later. Um, well, good evening. If you can keep your Bibles open at, I think it's page 1171, or in your order of service, um, that'll be fantastic. And we'll go through um, a bit of what it says in Galatians 5. Um, I have to say, on a, on a, I guess a personal note, that it's very exciting um, to be here and to know that later on uh, Jasmine and Jordan are going to be baptised. Um, I help out at Kids Church, which is great, and it's been lovely to see them both being involved in that and put their faith into action. Um, so it's very, very good. Um, shall we just pray maybe before we start? Let's just pray quickly. Dear God, um, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for what it has to say to us today. And Lord, I pray that as uh, we look at this together, 
that you will speak to us where we're at and you'll open it up um, to us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about freedom. Uh, it's a fantastic word, isn't it? Um, I don't know about you, but, but there's so much down through history and in today that evokes kind of a passionate and a powerful response. I don't know what you think about when you think about freedom. It might be um, maybe Martin Luther King saying, I have a dream. It might be Nelson Mandela in his long walk to freedom. Um, or maybe freedom for you is... Uh, a weekend or a morning or an hour where you can sit down and read a book uh, without any worries or any concerns or anything you have to do. Um, what is freedom? But uh, one of my best clips, and if you know, from a movie I like, not just because I'm a Celt and the Celts turn out pretty well in it, um, but it's a film called Braveheart. And I've got a short clip, um, if it works up here, um, which is from, you, you, I'm sure you'll recognize it, it's from Braveheart. And it's when uh, he's addressing the Scottish before they meet the British or the English. powerful, isn't it? It's very rising when you listen to it and you hear that call of freedom. And he says in it, for just one chance to tell that you may take our lives, but you will never take our freedom. Do you know, it reminds me of uh, when, uh, when I was young, okay, I had this t-shirt. Bridget found it for me, which is a testament to my hoarding and to the fact that we've got a lot of junk in the attic. This is a no fear t-shirt. They're very, very popular at the time. And in the back of it, it said, um, this kind of line, everybody who lives dies, but not everyone who dies has lived. Because, you see, to live, I guess, in captivity, to live in the way in which we weren't meant to, isn't really freedom, and it isn't really what God wants for us either. Because the powerful message of the Bible is that Jesus has come to give us freedom. And that's something which Jasmine and Jordan will be testifying to later as they've realized that and as they come and be baptized. Because Jesus came to give us life in all its fullness and to give us a freedom to live the way we're meant to. Now, Paul and Galatians, in the passage we're looking at, Galatians 5, 
the Galatians, he's writing to them about their new freedom and what that means to them. And he's trying to explain it to them and to tell them how they must deal with it. And I've got um, three things this evening, taking the good lead from Carol this morning. I get three points. And I'm going to um, talk about freedom for all um, at the beginning. Then 16 to 23 is freedom to fight for before finally at the end, a freedom that takes action uh, for all of us. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. Freedom for all. Um, in the passage we read, verse 1, it's, Paul sets out his stall in this chapter where he says, it's just like a song that you may recognize, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he goes on at the start of verse 13 to say, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that... Um, you, they have this freedom. And to give you a bit of context, they, they, there was this law in the Old Testament, in the Bible, and the law was like a set of rules about how to do what God wanted. And there were lots of good stuff, and there are good things, things like the Ten Commandments, which I'm sure you know. Um, but actually, that was a pretty high standard. And as the Israelites over the ages tried and tried and tried to meet that standard, actually what it, what it meant was that they realized they always fell short. Because actually what the law did was it served to highlight how we can't do it by ourselves. And so then Paul's coming to say that actually they have freedom from the law because there was another way. And I just want to, not get drawing, so bear with me. So if I just show, this is a really good illustration that I was shown when I was, I think, at university, which is that if you imagine, okay, this is a pit. could be lots of things. In fact, I'll label it to help. Okay, And if we are in that pit, so this is us, and actually the things we try and do, the good things, the way you wake up every morning and you think, right, well this morning I'm going to do, you know, this is going to be a better day. It's like us trying to work our way out. And we might climb up a bit, but then we might fall back down again. And we're really stuck. And actually a bit like the law with its standard, it was, you know, you could try and do all those things, but the fact was you could never quite make it yourself. And the good news about the gospel, and apologies for my poor drawing, okay, looks precarious, but the fact is that Jesus reaches a hand down and says to us that I'll help you out. I'll help you out of the pit that you can't get out of yourself. And for me, the amazing thing, the thing I like, which rings true about Christianity, is that lots of other religions are about what you need to do, you know, about submission or about how you work or about how you make it up your levels. But Christianity is quite radical because it starts by saying, we're stuck in a pit and there's nothing we can do about it ourselves. And that's what Jesus offers, and he offers it to everybody. He says that, you know, you have this offer to be free to realize you can't do it yourself, to put your trust in Jesus, and then if you hold his hand, he will take you out, and you can live the way you're meant to. So that's the first thing we know about freedom. Freedom is is freedom for everybody. It's a gift that we can take. Okay, secondly, freedom to fight for. So the movie clip, what I really like about it is it kind of, it's freedom, but it's freedom that the Scottish had to fight for just one day, And actually, if you accept Jesus' offer, it's not plain sailing. And if you look down at, with me, verse 16 and 17, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other. Okay, so let me paint the scene. You have one side of the flesh, let's put them in the black corner, okay, it'll become clear. And on the other side, you have the spirit in the white corner. And they are in conflict and they're fighting against each other. And we're right in the middle of that if we've accepted Jesus into our hearts. And the flesh, just say a little bit about that. So it's not, you know, like my white pasty Northern Irish skin. It's not you know, like kind of the flesh. Or it's not your, you know, my desires, uh, uh, you know, I really want this. Or, you know, the, your kind of primeval desires. The flesh is probably better described your simple nature. So those are kind of the instinctive things that you do. Maybe your selfishness or, or the way in which, despite your best efforts, you still end up doing things that would even disappoint yourself. And this week, in Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday night, Bridget and I were watching, you might have seen a glimpse of it, it was um, the memorial for Auschwitz. And so they talked lots of survivors. And actually, when you listen to that, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to believe, but you see what happened in the Holocaust or you see what happened um, if Stalin in the gulags, or you see what happened in Cambodia, or in Serbia, or in Rwanda, and you realize that actually man, when left his own devices, when just let free reign, he can do awful things. And that's kind of that, that sinful nature in us that does that. So that's the black corner, that's pretty bleak. Then the white corner, we read about the spirit living in us. And again, this isn't my breath or isn't the spirit that makes me play hard when I play rugby. You know, they're kind of fighting spirit. This is the Holy Spirit of God that when you believe comes into your life and is there helping you. And so we see this, the black corner, the white corner, and they're in conflict. And Paul says it really well in Romans 7. Okay, so this is a bit of a head scratcher, right? So if you just bear with me as I read it, and I'll try and explain it. But it explains that tension really well. Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And I don't know about you, but that's my kind of experience often, that I know what I want to do. I know when I wake up, I know when I meet people, I know when I get cut up and someone drives across me. I know all the things that I want to do, but try as me by myself, I end up doing those things that I know I shouldn't. The sinful nature takes over. And Paul, you can hear his struggle. But actually, what he says is that with the Holy Spirit, we can have freedom from that. And whilst it'll still be a conflict in this life, with the Spirit working in us, he can help us in that. And then we see a bit more about these two corners, the black corner and white corner. So if you look down 19 to 21, the vices, right? And this is a pretty, pretty bleak list, really. And it's kind of in groups, actually, if you look at it. There's a there's the first four is all about how we misuse that good gift of sex. Then there's two around worship and religion and how that's misused. Then there's a whole big bundle of nine about relationships and about how we mess up relationships. So about rage and our ambition um, and our jealousy that I'm sure we can relate to. 
And then the last two about our lack of control. It's a really challenging list. And if you did a mental checklist, I'm sure you'd say, okay, well, that was yesterday. Well, that was last week. Well, yeah, that was two days ago. I, I didn't manage to do that. And, and Paul then wraps it all up by, gives this great list, and then he throws in at the end, I don't know if you see, he says, and the like at the end of, or the middle of 21. So it's not like a small list. And I think it's challenging for us. And, and we will, I guess, slip up and stumble um, at times. But I think probably the thing is, if, if you're worried about that list, uh, that's a good thing. But if those things are things that you're habitually doing and you keep doing and you have no regret or no remorse, then actually Paul has a pretty strong warning for you at the end of that. So that's the vices. And then the next bit is the virtues. And that's where we see the opposite and the fruit of the Spirit. And, um, and I think this is nice. Even in itself, when you say that if you've got all the acts on this side, which are the sinful nature, and that's tough, the very fact that this is fruit and not acts says about the fact that it's not something we do, it's something that as the Holy Spirit works in us, it grows in us. And I want to say just a few things. We don't have a lot of time. But the Spirit, in terms of the fruit of the Spirit... Um, it, it, it is, it, it is um, fruit in the analogy of how fruit grows. Um, I came home from work on a Thursday, um, and uh, I walked in, and Esme was there, top stairs, and Esme said, um, do you know it's anything different? Okay? And it's always a dangerous question. I don't know if you're a boyfriend or a husband or a fiancé or whatever you might be, and, and your significant female other says, do you know it's anything different? And you're kind of going through a checklist of, is it hair? Is it clothes? Is it uh, something different? And so I was kind of stuck with Esme looking at me saying, do you know anything different? And I did notice that she was wearing Neve's dress. And, um, and that was Neve's dress because Neve's dress now fits her. Because she grows, and she grows without you noticing it. You know, I can watch her all day long, which would be pretty boring, and I wouldn't notice her getting any taller but I'd see over the span of weeks and months, she absolutely grows bigger and grows out of her clothes. And that's like fruit as well for those who are gardeners, I'm not. Um, and the same for the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit grows gradually as we develop, do you know, and, and, and it grows and it, it's seasonal. And some seasons you're full and some seasons are a bit more barren. But the fruit of the Spirit is something as the Spirit works in us that will be there. And I guess the other thing to say is that Paul says it's the fruit singular of the Spirit, okay? So it would be really nice if you went down and said, you know what, I can maybe do the uh, kindness, but I don't really quite like the joy. Or I can do the peace, but I'm not really that humble. But actually Paul says this is the whole package. It's the fruit of the Spirit and that we'll see. Okay, so I'm sure you're thinking that it's a battle, get that. We've got the black corner, it's a pretty bleak picture, and we need to be careful about that. We have the white corner with the spirit, um, but sometimes it's hard to see who's going to win. And I guess just to finish on this bit, is to say that Jesus has the victory. That whilst in this life, it will be hard, and we will continually feel that tension in us, that we know that in the new heaven and the new earth will have new bodies, will have new natures, and that Jesus, because he died on the cross and rose again, will have the victory. So even though we may lose a few battles, Jesus won the war, and there's a greater hope there. So secondly, freedom, the battle. And then just finally, freedom in action. Okay, we see just at the very end of the passage, if you could go down to um, 24, 
um, he says just a couple of things. And I think this is, it kind of is a good practical application for how we deal with this tension in our lives. So he says, verse 24, that you're to crucify the flesh. All right, so there's no, no real ambiguity there. It's not you should look after it or lock it away. It says you're to crucify it, okay? And that means that, that those, those things that we read about, the vices, you need to um, get rid of them and stop them. And it's like a box of chocolates. I don't know if you're going to eat Christmas. And you kind of, you take one, and then you say, well, that's me for the day. And you go away and do some work. And then you walk past the kitchen again, you take a second one. And then you take a third one. And then it gets to the end of the day, and half the, half the box is gone. And sometimes we need to, we need to see the, you know, the ruthlessness that Paul says in crucifying the flesh. That those, those sins, those things that maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's ambition, maybe it's uh, hatred, that we kind of keep returning to, we need to cut that off and crucify the flesh. So the, the other uh, good practicality he said is in verse 25, when Paul says we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Um, and I think that's a great kind of picture as well. Um, Jim Packer said that the consequence of leaving the Spirit out is that we have a religion that's just perspiration and aspiration. But by putting the spirit in, we have one which is transformation and inspiration. So the spirit makes the difference from our life just being lots of things we try and work harder and being a life that has inspiration and we are transformed into something better. But we need to keep in step with the spirit. When I was young, uh, I used to be... uh, I don't know loads about music, but they used to say when you clap along to a chorus, they should clap in the first and the third um, beat so that it sounds right, okay? And, so you, and, and that's kind of the idea of rhythm, and you're kind of going with the spirit. And the point is, it's not as if you're kind of going, and then there's nothing. You have that sense of rhythm that you're talking to the Holy Spirit, that you're working with him, and that as you come across things in your life, and as you see situations and all those different things, that the Holy Spirit is there working with us. So we want to crucify, get rid of the flesh, and we want to live by the Spirit and live in rhythm of him. Great. So just to wrap up then, we have this great cry of freedom Okay, a freedom that is for everybody. It's a way, because we can't do it ourselves, that we can be free and live the way that we are meant to. But we know that there's a battle to be fought. We'll always have this tension, okay, and that's a reality. But the good news is that the, that the war is won and that it doesn't last forever. And then finally, that we need to act, okay? So we need to crucify the flesh. Don't keep returning to it. And we want to walk in rhythm with the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that we have this freedom. And thank you that we were made to live in relationship with you. And we are made to be free and to be the people you want us to be. But it's tough. And we do see that tension every day. And so Lord, I do pray you would help us to walk in the Spirit, to walk with you every day of every week, of every month, of every year. In Jesus' name, amen.